takes more than an encyclopedic knowledge of all of the Slack channels that exist at your company to be a great software engineer. This is episode 163 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer all of your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. Give me a minute while I troll through my Slack channels to try to find a funny response. I tried to count how many there were at work and I gave up, but I did find out that there are 900, no, 9,453 custom emojis at my work Slack workspace. <laughs> and have you memorized them? No, I think I use, now I want an anthropologist to study my Slack usage <laughs> and Slack custom emoji usage. You, you yeah, might I probably use like 20 of them. I don't know. You might have more emojis than I know words. <laughs> I mean, there is a coming future where people don't communicate with words. They just communicate with animated GIFs of attractive people making faces. (laughs) And that expresses the feeling that you are having at that moment. So we have, you know, we have multi-byte character sets. But for that, you would need like, you know, hundreds of bytes. A lot of bytes. Yeah, (laughs) a a lot of bytes to have that that Justin Timberlake, like (laughs) raising his eyebrow image or whatever. (laughs) Anyways, that's not what this show's about. (laughs) Nope. Do you want to talk about our wonderful patrons, Dave? Yes, thank you, patrons who have chosen to support us at Patreon, where they get a shout-out every week. Those people are Matthew Voidovich, The Agile Ventures Charity, Zach Granin, Tails the Weird Orange Squirrel Thing, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> Luis Santos, Nick Cantar, Sean, Ivo Robotnik, Sunny Tai, Sonic the Hedgehog, Murray Rousseau, and Chris Hogan. If you'd like to contribute, you can go to softskills.audio and click on the Support Us on Patreon button. And if you do... You get to join our Slack. So I want to be clear. The joining our Slack is if you contribute any money for any period of time, we send you an invite. It's not dependent on your continued contributions. And there's some cool stuff going on there. We've had some interesting discussions lately. One of them was about interview processes and what a good interview process should look like. Another one was about how to do peer reviews when you haven't really worked with the person for very long. <laughs> and it's fun to see people ask questions. And there there are smart people there, both asking questions and giving their opinions. So I've learned something by just being around them. Mm-hmm. So join us. Yeah. We have maybe five Slack channels, but that number could grow as you join. And we have one custom emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so far. All right. Let's get into the questions. Do you want to read our first one, Dave? Sure. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, I recently joined a new team to help rewrite a batch job whose source code has long been lost. After taking some time to learn the tech stack and the business problem, I realized that the current approach will not let us meet our nightly deadline. Even a very generous back-of-the-envelope estimate suggests that we'll miss it by two orders of magnitude. I have some ideas on how to maybe fix this problem, but that's but with three U's. And three T's. So, you know, elongated. Sorry, I don't know why I said that. Maybe maybe they misspelled boot. <laughs> boot has three O's, silly. Okay. <laughs> oh, my mistake. I brought my concerns and calculations to the lead project engineer who dismissed them outright. They did not offer an explanation for why I was wrong, even when I asked for one. I started a proof of concept to illustrate my point, but there were some weird conversations that suggested that I should just drop the issue. I know how to make a technical argument about my concerns, but apparently that isn't enough. How can I get fellow engineers to at least take my concerns seriously, not just for this project, but generally? I'm only 3.5 years into my career, so is it just a seniority thing? Hmm. Hmm. There's a lot of stuff in here that's really interesting to me. Oh, yeah. The batch process whose source code has long been lost. I just have never worked anywhere 
I actually, I'm sure that exists somewhere at my current employer because every everything exists all at once because it's large enough. But I've not worked with a situation like that where somebody wrote it in like COBOL in the 60s or something. And how would you even run it? Yeah, see, this is my ignorance showing. Do you like compile it to some binary format and then that thing, that artifact just runs while the source code has long disappeared? I'm going to guess they're keeping around like a Windows 95 computer just for this patch job to run. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like some EXE that yeah. is just on there. No one no one better bump that computer yeah, under the no, desk. No updates. Don't touch it. <laughs> uh, I have a unrelated story about that. So a person was getting laid off. They told them to clear out their desk. They were a security researcher and there was a Raspberry Pi plugged into their desk with some blinking lights on it. And I think they got a little bit freaked out about it because it's the security person and they're getting fired and maybe they'll be all grumpy and maybe that could do something nefarious. So they went to unplug it and some people around the desk were like, no, you can't unplug that. That will That's an essential piece of our build process. <laughs> like just some random Raspberry Pi somewhere is has become critical infrastructure. So... <laughs> And that was not long ago. (laughs) (laughs) It is amazing how neglected things can become critical infrastructure just on accident. I love it. Yep. Okay, so you don't have any source code for this thing. It's this is one thing I'm a little confused about is the batch job is currently running, but now it's gotta be rewritten, but you think the rewritten version will be too slow. Yeah. Are you saying why not just get two Windows ninety five machines under a desk (laughs) for high availability (laughs) and leave it as is? that's a great idea (laughs) get a cluster going oh yeah (laughs) i mean it makes sense if it's this critical thing that no one can touch or modify or understand or maintain i think the idea of rewriting it makes sense to me yeah it makes sense to me too is your question how did it get like this what i don't understand your question Um, no my question is it's running now and working so why is it that a rewrite is going to be a hundred times slower that's just I mean, maybe it doesn't matter. It's a little bit far afield of the actual soft skills question, but I was just confused by that. It's got to be architectural things. I mean, computers have not gotten 100 times slower since Windows 95. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Fortran is very fast. (laughs) But if it's some batch process, it's probably I.O. bound. It's not just crunching numbers like crazy. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's for our our other podcast. The reason they don't have the source code is because it was actually written using future technology and compiled to a Windows 95 executable in the past using oh, time like travel. they Okay, they got the date wrong. They were like, this <laughs> this will probably start running. Well, no, that doesn't make sense. They didn't get the date wrong. They just knew it would last long enough well, and they, they needed to target they, they tried a longstanding to, platform. They tried to write 2995, which was the year it was written, but they wrote 1995 instead. <laughs> so their compiler can take <laughs> an, a year and it just spits it out and whatever runs that year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll pretend like that's the reason for my bad technical decisions. <laughs> you know, I was just really trying to target early 2000s. And my finger just slipped on the keyboard. <laughs> I watched the HBO miniseries Chernobyl, like many humans, and it is fantastic. It's one of the best pieces of entertainment I've ever watched. Hmm. And it's also terrifying. Oh. But it's it's really interesting to watch as a technical person because... A lot of the episodes are about this intersection between social and political things and technical expertise, where there were so many technical problems that went wrong, and there were lots of 
opportunities for people that knew better to express their concerns before the disaster and after the disaster. I guess for context, Chernobyl is a reactor that uh, exploded spectacularly in the 80s in, in Ukraine and caused a lot of bad things. This probably isn't a Chernobyl-style <laughs> or scale disaster, but there's there's seeds of the same feeling of like someone bringing up questions and just being shut down because of social pressure, not mm. technical discussions. The question asker didn't describe a detailed technical discussion about the trade-offs and the reasons why and and correcting their assumptions. It's just like impossible. Move on. Yeah. And that's a social problem, not just a technical problem of you're newer in your career. This person replying to you is probably very senior and experienced and maybe has been there a lot longer. And and it's it's hard to just say, it's hard to keep pushing after they shut you down. Yeah. So I, I feel for you. I guess that's a summary. Or this experienced person maybe has a reputation that could be damaged if you call out that their old Windows 95 batch job is not a good thing. Or they lost the source code. Well, not not that. Maybe they're the ones leading this rewrite. And it's this huge effort. And if you say, hey, this has these fundamental problems, which will make it not work. Like two orders of magnitude, that's a lot slower. Uh, we'll miss it by two orders of magnitude. I wonder what the orders are. That means, that means in my head, that means 100x, yeah. basically. Yeah, in so 100. like it will take 100 days instead of one day. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's worth talking about just batch processes for a little bit to set the context. I assume that by batch process, it means there's this thing that operates nightly on like the previous day's data and it needs to finish so that the next one can operate on the next day's data. Mm -hmm. And if it takes too long, then it'll kind of start to back up. Does that sound accurate to you? That does. And you know, I just realized it has the word batch in it, which makes me think of Windows 95 batch files, which really just points back to Windows 95. <laughs> I think <laughs> we're onto something. As all roads do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is yeah, that so is what I understand a batch job to be. So so yeah, like, I mean, what if there, oh, there are just so many variables that could be contributing to this person's behavior. Personally, I find this other person's behavior unacceptable. If someone comes to me with a concern and they've thought it through and they present numbers, especially like in this case, you know, that demonstrate that it's going to be a problem. And the other person just says, nope, that's not a problem. That's unacceptable. I mean, I, I get it. Like, yeah, you don't, I agree. you don't want to spend a bunch of time going through a, a bunch of details, especially if you deal with a lot of these concerns, but you just have to. I don't know, like, how do you expect your team to grow and learn if you're not willing to say why you think something is unfeasible? I think so much time has been wasted and so much damage has been caused by people being unwilling to challenge assumptions once it's too late. The The project's already in motion. Maybe there's already a team for it. The, there's a big plan. Maybe they're partway through it and they're coming up on a deadline. And it's like, we can't change it now. Like, there's all these yeah. all this momentum behind it. So we can't even entertain the idea. And I don't know that that's going to make it 100 times faster magically when it's done. Like you're just kind of <laughs> kicking the can down the road. So I, I agree. This seems, this is not, this is not how leaders should behave, technical leaders at all. It's very simple. We can talk about this two orders of magnitude issue after I get my promotion for leading this team. Then we can deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We'll just make it two orders of magnitude faster. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> How many two? Three? How about we just do three orders? Better. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple possibilities. One is that your analysis is wrong and you're missing some pretty fundamental assumptions, in which case it's it's their job to say, here's what you're missing and here's how it's fine. And the other possibility is you're right and they're wrong. And then it's their job to not just stick their head in the sand and say like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Everything's fine. C don't worry. Moore's law will... <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, two That's still going strong, right? Isn't it about a hunt? Isn't it about a two orders of magnitude improvement every eighteen months? Oh yeah, still <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Maybe we'll move it to like GPUs or something or <laughs> blockchain. I'm sure. We're, I'm sure we can do like serverless. It'll be great. Yeah, I'm sure we're one buzzword away from resolving this <laughs> small performance problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's unacceptable the way that this leader is behaving. But what what would you do as the individual contributor? You're still relatively new to the team. You're relatively new in your career. Do you think this is worth going around to your... I mean, one thing you could do is go around to your coworkers and say, here's this issue I'm concerned of and try and drum up support. The danger there is you're kind of like the the leader has shown they are not great already, and then you're you're kind of like fomenting rebellion against them. Yeah, if they didn't react well to your technical concerns, wait till you they, you see what they do when you yeah when you go over their head to their boss and convince their boss that they're wrong. And now <laughs> yeah. on the one hand, they might have it coming, but I doubt it. On the other hand, it is it is very easy to make bad assumptions about performance. And so I would caution the listener in this case to make sure that you have very solid evidence. And typically when when it comes to like hypothesizing about how slow or fast something is going to be, it is almost always a waste of time other than speaking in very broad terms. Like this will incur a round trip on the network, this won't. Like great, no problem. You know, round trips take 10 milliseconds. Okay, we can we can ha- handle that. But if it's like, well, this algorithm is clearly going to produce faster results over a 3-hour job than this one, and, and you think you've got some numbers behind it, I don't think you, you probably don't. And I think your, your instinct to create a proof of concept is a great idea because- Yeah, that's spot on. Yeah, and like that's what you have to do to be able to measure the results. And if it's possible to run a batch job on like non-production data or a replica of production data or something, I would personally go build that, measure it, and then I would bring those results well, first I would look at the results and say, are these actually problem problematic? And if they are, then I would bring them and say, hey, I built a proof of concept that does 85% of what the original version did, and here are the results. It's 100 times slower. Um, we're not going to make it in the batch window. But, and then, this is an important part, bring a few options of, for solutions. Like, hey, I think if we change it this way or do that or break it up in this way or introduce Lambda <laughs> or some other buzzword, <laughs> <laughs> suddenly... Um, now, now you're just saying, I'm not just part of the problem. I'm here to propose an alternate approach. I like that too. I The the part that sounds a little sketchy is the question asker says, I started a proof of concept to illustrate my point, but there were some weird conversations that suggested I should just drop the issue. Yeah. So I wonder if there's kind of like a, please stop wasting your time and get your work done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like feeling it, going on. Abs- yeah. I don't know. There's, again, this feels just as weird as the other conversation. You know, like something weird is going on here. There are some variables that you can't see. And it would be great to get to the bottom of those to figure out what's actually going on. Like maybe someone else is working on it, you know, or maybe they see you as the boy who cried wolf, you know, famous metaphor. But it's hard to know. Yeah. Hard to know. And I mean, it's possible that you have that reputation as the boy who cried wolf. I don't know any of these details, but if that's the case, that's an even stronger reason for data because then you're the boy who cried check out these results that demonstrate why this is an actual concern. <laughs> It'd be like if the boy who cried wolf had like a wolf pelt or I don't know, his arm was bleeding because he had been chomped by a wolf. The boy who cried, my arm is gone. <laughs> who the cried, wolf has it. Please help me recover from these wolf wounds. <laughs> I have three options for you. Tourniquet, stitches, <laughs> I, I do think there there's some amount of sticking your neck out involved in addressing this problem further. 
And I think you have to decide if you would like to stick your neck out mm-hmm. or if you want to put your head down and and say like, not my problem. I tried and it was shot down. Both of those are pretty different and have potentially different consequences. I would say the stick your neck out thing is easy for me to say when I'm not in your situation and don't have to deal with potential consequences. But it, I think it's potentially higher reward as well. If there is a problem and you demonstrate it and you help get it addressed, I mean, that'll prevent this disaster from happening, but also there's probably some recognition in there for you. Um, I think it could blow up in your face a bit more too, though. Yeah. I, I think here's what I would do. I think I would I would try and do it as a Skunk Works project. If my team lead or whoever said, don't do this, I would I would try and devote some some amount of my time to it until I could get some concrete data. And I think I would try and find a trusted person on the team who's experienced enough to be able to give good feedback. Mm. Not to say like, look, we're doomed. Help me convince my my boss or whatever. But just to say, hey, can you tell me if these numbers look right? Here's my concern. Yeah. Is there anything fishy about this to you? Or do you think this is worth pursuing more? And get and get another set of eyes. Because you are relatively new to the team still. And so maybe there's something you're missing. But I think if you can vet your idea a little bit with someone less less inclined to just dismiss you outright, I think that can maybe give you the confidence to raise it again with better data to back it up. And if the whole thing blows up in your face, you've got a fall guy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just going to need you to hit enter right here on this (laughs) keyboard I put in front of you. And oh, great. Look whose name is on that diff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Hey, do you mind cryptographically signing this thing real quick? <laughs> uh, it's just some standard boilerplate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, this is I this is not an environment I would like to work in where you are there are questions you are not allowed to ask. I, I think well-meaning questions should be welcomed and and you should always be willing to have a debate and and there the answer might be like, yeah, there are some problems, but we're not doomed and and fixing them is hard because of these organizational reasons or whatever. Like the answer might not be satisfying to you, but you should always be able to ask them. So yeah, I'm glad you asked this. And I think you're right to bring it up as a tricky situation because it does seem tricky. Yeah, it does. All right. Should we move on to the next question? Let's do it. This is from a listener named G, just the letter G like in Sesame Street. (laughs) Hi, I'm a software engineer and I'm currently looking for my next job. It will be my second ever job. So that means it will be my first time putting the soft skills engineering advice to quit your job in practice. Woohoo. I don't know how I'm supposed to pronounce that. You did it. You did it. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. There's an implied. I'll give you some options and then you pick which one. Anyway. (laughs) Browsing the job offerings, I often check Glassdoor to see what people are saying about the given company, and I found a lot of negative reviews. I imagine sites like Glassdoor are negatively biased, but these reviews left me wondering if there is any way I can investigate how good or bad working for a company would be. Maybe through some questions during the interview? Any ideas? By the way, I love the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thanks, G. Thank you, G. Congratulations. I think you should take some time about what's the most dramatic way you could quit your job like what'll what'll get people talking, you know? <laughs> okay. What'll what? leave you with a legend at your previous company? I mean, can you rent you can rent llamas. I know this from college. <laughs> what if you just come in with like a, a rad outfit on, lots of just sparkles all over, and like two llamas, one on each side? <laughs> later nerds. You're quitting. Yeah. Yeah, later. I think they're too small to ride, so it'd be hard to ride out on one. They'll be like if you got is... enough of them, they could they could like pull a chariot though. That'd be cool. 
As all your coworkers sit back and say, that is so G. That's <laughs> classic G. <laughs> G and their hijinks. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, with that, with that solid, valuable advice out of the way, how do you, well, you know, the possibilities G, are endless. Yeah. I'm actually wondering if G actually is just a poorly concealed alias for Glassdoor. Like this is actually Glassdoor. <laughs> <laughs> they're saying what do we do about all these negative reviews <laughs> how do we make people trust our site more <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i think there's an answer to what you can do about all the negative rev- reviews in glassdoor which is like pay them money and get them removed oh is that the, is, oh yeah is that a thing i don't know i'm assuming it is because i assume the worst of everything okay i you you probably can't there's probably something in their terms of service but guaranteed there are companies that are like make sure you show up and write us a good review on glassdoor yeah to like keep team spirit higher I have worked for one of those companies. <laughs> I have not. Maybe I'll tell people to do it in my team and become one of those companies. <laughs> yeah, Glassdoor. This, I, I mean, the the real, there's two parts of this. One is like, how can I find out the truth? Are these Glassdoor reviews accurate or not? And the other question is, how do I find out, find out if this company would be a good place to work or not? And I think the answer is the same for both, which is that the best way to find out is by talking to someone who works there who's relatively unbiased and likely to give you real details instead of someone who's just thinking about that big fat referral bonus. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. I'm leaving next week, but if you start this week, I'm going to make (laughs) 3,000 bucks. You know, your first 90 days will be the most incredible period of your life, and you really need to make sure to stick around for every single one of those. Yes. (laughs) After that, it's all up to you. <laughs> that's how long it takes for me to get my money. <laughs> that's right. Have you ever read a negative review on Glassdoor for a company you work for? Yeah, I have. And did, have you ever been privy to the details behind that review? Yes. And did you find the review to be I have. accurate? I found it to be accurate. I found it to be a good representation of the viewpoint of the person who wrote the review, <laughs> who was dis- disgruntled for having been laid off. Oh. Which would suck. I would be very disgruntled if I was laid off too. And I, I think it was, I think the negative aspects of working there were were looming large in their mind because of this negative experience, basically. I see. I also sometimes read negative reviews at companies that I don't like just to enjoy that that <laughs> feeling of, what's the German word? Schadenfreude? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to luxuriate in it, you know? <laughs> like, can... <laughs> Oh, just confirm all my biases. Oh, yeah, that feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) A bias confirmed is its own reward. It is horrible. It is a horrible place to work. I mean, I I don't feel like they... uh, I had not been laid off, and I I liked working there still, so I feel like there was some amount of uh, positive things that were maybe missing from from my experience, but also it wasn't my experience because I didn't get laid off. So I don't know. What is your question like, can those be trusted, basically? Well, I just, I was curious because I've seen a couple of negative reviews for companies that I've worked for and I, th- and I read them and I thought that review in no way portrays my experience. Like it is so completely the opposite of the experience I've had. And I realized, I think that people have such a different experience at companies based on the, based on so much about them individually, the expectations they bring, their strengths, I'm nodding. their weakness. I should say, uh-huh. <laughs> Instead of nodding. And so these reviews, it's like they may or may not apply to you. And I think in some cases they will, but in others they won't. And it's really hard to know the difference between them. I think what you're looking for is broad patterns, though, because 
So, so first of all, I 100% agree with you. We've talked about this on the show before, but I think there's there's this model in sports of talented players moving around and, and not being successful and suddenly finding the right environment and coach and team and teammates and play style and scheme, and, and they just blossom. And I think that totally happens in, in jobs where there are places where people do not fit well because of all kinds of reasons that aren't necessarily systemic. But there are also systemic things sometimes too. <laughs> I, uh, I think I pay attention to the CEO ratings a little bit because that kind of gives me an overall aggregate feel. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm interviewing at a place, I'll sometimes read through about what their interview process is to get a feel of, of what it's like and what I should expect. But I think we were talking about this before the show and I couldn't find a citation to back it up. So the citation is now this podcast. I think people are, are more likely to report. There's this thing that I heard first about radio call-in shows where they would do these surveys of uh, tell us your opinion about this topic or this candidate or whatever. And the responses they got were most often negative. And I think the reason they proposed was because if you have a negative feeling about this, that's more likely to motivate you to act enough to call in and, and talk about it on the air than if you just think like, ah, that politician's okay. Or like, I don't know, I think that head coach of the team's doing a fine job. That's unlikely to get you off your couch and dial the phone. And I think some of that might be an effect mm. where people that are just like, yeah, my job's okay, are not super likely to leave Glassdoor ratings. Yeah. So it might be the people who have had the worst experiences, who, who feel the most negative feelings, who have the motivation to sign into Glassdoor, sign up for the site and find their company and write a review. It's also, it's also kind of risky to write a negative review for a company because... Usually you can tell who it is <laughs> if you, well, yeah, it's a small enough yeah, company yeah, if you know all the yeah, context. Granted. granted. And I was just thinking, just yeah. thinking that because I'm actually looking at a glass door review, a uh, set of reviews from a previous company I worked for right now. Oh, and you can tell uh, who it is. <laughs> not exactly. But I remember in the past there were more negative reviews than what I see right now. So I don't know what happened. Maybe they, maybe they aged out. There's, there's gotta be some, there's, yeah, there's something. I mean, there's a banner right in front of me that says, your trust is our top concern, so companies can't alter or remove reviews. I mean, that's like those signs on crappy fast food restaurants that said "made with 100% real beef," and you're like, "Why would I? Why would you have to say that?" <laughs> the fact that you have to say that communicates that there is something that you feel like you have to defend. Maybe, may, I mean, maybe Glassdoor won't remove them, but the company can call up the employee and be like, "Yeah, hey, Bob, I, I'm pretty sure that was you. Can you just remove that, <laughs> or we're gonna sue you?" Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Glassdoor has never ever had an incident of making food out of people <laughs> like in Soylent. That's in a big banner on the top of the site. You're like. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I'm 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 now deep into Glassdoor, just looking up my. Uh, I'm gonna make a companies. fake, some pretty I'm, solid. I'm reviews. gonna make a fake review of your consulting company and pretend to be an employee. Okay. Yeah. Do it. Do it. I'll see if I have the power to strike it down. We should. I should be clear. I have no knowledge about how Glassdoor works, and I should probably stop like maligning them as a company. Yeah, they're probably fine. But they certainly um, are using 100% real beef. I'll tell you that. <laughs> in every burger they make, <laughs> no people mixed in <laughs> with this hamburger. Anyway, so I, we kind of got a little off track there, but I think I think when it comes to rating a company as a place to work, there are so many more dimensions that other people have that are different, and other people that. Their reviews may not apply to you as much as, like, say, reviewing a cell phone case on Amazon, right? Like, 
there's only so many expectations. You know, you could imagine reading a review on Amazon that's like, yeah, uh, this cell phone case is a terrible load-bearing stud for my home. You know, like <laughs> one star. <laughs> and and I think that's kind of how employment arrangements are. It's like I have expectations. I have different strengths than you. I have totally different passions than you. I have different work-life balance requirements than you. So you just never know. And and also we're dealing with personalities in some cases, right? Like you may get along great with one person and they may get along really, or other people may not. Um, and so, you know, the, I think it's just so hard to read into it. But so that's why I like your idea of looking for themes. Like if you see themes of people being maligned or churned out or abused or harassed, you know, they're great. But I, I've never, never seen that on Glassdoor. Maybe it's there. So, yeah. I also, so I'm, I'm looking at, I'm sure what you said was great, but I wasn't listening at all. No, just, I'm just kidding. I was listening, but I was also looking at reviews for companies that I've worked at in the past and they're pretty overwhelmingly positive. So I feel like this is challenging my assumption about people putting more negative yeah. stuff on than I, this is like the opposite problem where I know of some negative stuff that happened and it has not shown up in these Glassdoor ratings at all. Well, you know, I personally, I consider it pretty risky to put a negative review Even on Glassdoor. As a, as a current employee? Current or former. I mean, I just wouldn't. Yeah. That's not a bridge I'd want to burn. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, so uh, I guess the summary of this is that Glassdoor is a data point for salary and working conditions and stuff. But by far the best way to get a feel for what it's like is to talk to someone that works there. And this is a case where it's it's harder to do that earlier in your career because your network is often smaller. And as you work longer, you just have worked with more people. And it's there's a greater chance that you'll just know someone that works at a company you're interested in. And that's where you get what it's really like. And I, I would encourage you to find someone. If there's a company you're interested in working at, just ask around on, on Twitter or, or see if there's a way that you can talk candidly with someone that works there, not necessarily in a recruiting context. And, and ask them what their day is like and what's good about working there and what's bad and what's frustrating. And if there are specific concerns you have about situations you don't like or uh, things you want to make sure don't happen there, ask about those. The question asker also mentions what to do in an interview. And you should absolutely come prepared to an interview with questions about what it will be like to work there. And it's it's possible that the answers you get won't be... I don't think people often tend to lie in them, but it's a, it's a short period of time. Yeah. It's not... It's, it's hard to... It's hard to give the dirt. And you are kind of selling a candidate at that point. But people ask that when I interview them for, for my current employer. And I try and tell them, like, here's what it's like. Here's the strengths and weaknesses of the culture and the and the space we're in. And part of my goal is to identify whether they would be happy, too. Because I don't want someone who would qualify and pass the interview process and just be miserable with the culture. That's not going to be successful either. So I, I think the summary of my ramble is you should come up with questions that help you out that you can ask in the interview process to evaluate what it will be like working there. Would you ever like bring a negative Glassdoor review in and say, hey, could you respond to this? Ooh, not as a new person. In the, <laughs> no. Through, no, I mean, I think I would do that if I feel process, like, I mean. no, I mean, I think I, I would do that. Well, no, the answer is no, <laughs> but I would especially not do it if I were new in the industry where I didn't feel like I had a lot of leverage. Uh, maybe Maybe if I felt like, they just really wanted me and I had a really strong concern I would do that. But that feels like you're kind of trying to play a game of gotcha with them, I guess. I, I think you could do it in a less confrontational way and, and maybe say like... Like I have, you know, I have some concerns. and I think it'd I be, okay to, I, I, yeah, I think it'd be okay to say like I was looking on Glassdoor and I saw this kind of thing in a review. Can you, can you, is, is that how things yeah. work here or, or can you talk about those? But printing it out and bringing it in feels like you're like 
serving them a <laughs> warrant or something like gotcha sucker someone hated yeah. you on the internet and yeah that feels weird but uh, again that's that's assuming that data on Glassdoor yeah. looks good and is reflective of reality all right there you go yeah find someone that you know that works there and oh man i didn't talk too much about specific questions but i think you should ask about finances what they're like at the company as a whole i think you should ask about leadership and management and what their attitudes are and what they value and i definitely think you should ask why is this position open because you want to know if someone got fired <laughs> and you want to know why and like and and ask about i don't know performance issues and and kind of landmines and problems on the team i think those are all fair game to ask about and they should have compelling answers yeah. about them and also bring a polygraph machine and bring a polygraph machine <laughs> no that's what the handshake at the end <laughs> how is sweaty for. is their hand you just shake their hand is is it a firm grip do they make eye a little contact? raspberry pie up your sleeve with a moisture <laughs> sensor and a pulse uh, sensor so you can measure them and if you're ready to just bail out of the interview it's got one of those like zap <laughs> buttons that show up in cartoons do those exist in real life where you shake someone's hand and it buzzes yeah their they have mechanical somehow? ones that are like they just kind of tickle you oh wait mechanic does no, it like, like stab you it, it like what spins. would the mechanic what would yeah, the mechanism do I've seen them, they, they look like like a drill <laughs> what is this a are you drilling a hole in someone's hand and in cartoons it gets translated to like oh what a wacky <laughs> prank <laughs> no i'm not even going to explain it to you <laughs> okay okay i prefer keeping my understanding of it yeah basically like it. that <laughs> <laughs> okay all right well have we answered the question yeah i think so good luck okay good luck congratulations on your future second job exciting time what can people do if they want their own questions answered dave go to softskills.audio and click ask a question we will read it we will answer it and we will catch you next week see ya